Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by Tell Me Studios for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm Fraser McGrewer and I'm here with Chris Ragg, Peter Coghill and Nick Hare of Aleph Insights. And this week we're discussing why such a big deal is made about drugs and their prohibition. Nick, you've got something to lead us in on. Yeah, well, recently the Royal Society for Public Health uh, came out and said that we should we should test, provide sort of free drug testing at, at pop festivals um, because uh, ha- having trialled it last year, uh, they were able to remove quite a lot of harmful substances, you know, things that aren't actually what, what users thought they, they, ha- they were. So they, you know, that contained cutting agents like boric acid and benzocaine and various other kind of harmful things. So... As far as, uh, you know, their advice is concerned, this is not going to, you're not, we're not going to be able to stop people bringing drugs to concerts, but we can make things better given that they are going to do that. Um, that's the that's the argument. But of course, the counter argument to that, which is the sort of the prohibition argument, is that, well, in a sense, you're 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 making it less of a deterrent. You know, the, the people shouldn't be whatever that means, shouldn't be taking drugs, either because they're illegal or for some other reason. And by effectively making it less dangerous, you're, you're taking away some of the deterrent value um, and, and also, you know, potentially effectively condoning it. So, so it's, that was, you know, a controversial thing for the Royal Society for Public Health to say, and I think we're going to discuss why, why it's controversial. Well, what's, well, let's keep on with you, Nick. What's your view on these findings and, and what, what, what they did? What you mean? Well, I mean, well, is I mean, in a way, my view. Well, we're, I think we're going to cover different angles of the argument because it's really not a straightforward issue. It, you know, uh, I, I th- my view actually, if it had to be really kind of boring and sitting on the fence about it, is that I am uh, pro prohibition and pro legalization, depending on the drug, for reasons that I think I can explain. Yeah, that sounds reasonable. That sounds reasonable. Who wants to come in? I think well, I think it might be helpful to talk about what prohibition is trying to achieve and uh, and and the different the different uh, drivers for prohibition. Um, so, there, the, 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 you you ban something that's that you don't like or is bad for various reasons. So speaking think, Welsh, yeah. So so yeah. Well, uh, well, yeah. And Welsh might be bad for you. I don't know. But the, so we 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 we. we uh, we we ban the the uh, sale, but not necessarily the use of various different types of drug, uh, largely for for health reasons. So um, uh, things like cannabis and particularly the stronger varieties of it, and uh, very lots of class A drugs that are actually very har- very harmful to your health for even for single use, but it's definitely for prolonged use. So there's there's a very strong argument for for the control. And for the, the the to try to limit the use of these drugs for public health reasons. Um, however, that, but but often these pro, prohibition policies are clouded uh, by uh, a moral obligation to certain types of drugs, and certainly that was the major driver for the banning of alcohol in the United States at the beginning of the last century. Was is really largely a moral argument. It was the sort of puritanical fu- Christian fundamentalist um, lobby groups that said, "No, we, alcohol is inherently bad. Uh, it gets you. It takes you closer from God. So let's ban it." So they. So so um, that that's another reason. 
But they, the uh, a third often forgotten about or not sufficiently um, sort of investigated or quantified reason are all the additional all the additional um, benefits disbenefits that that drugs or not or non use of drugs have. So, uh, drug the revenue that that casual drug use produces for criminal elements within society is huge. So, uh, and they, that has lots of knock on effect in terms of criminal damage etc and and murder rates and all sorts of things that potentially could be could be removed if you in some way regular uh, regulated the 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 drug economy um and uh that would have enormous knock-on social benefits okay i mean i I think there's a there's a couple of things i'd i'd say in response to that one is uh I, I think while you might conflate moral and uh, rational reasons for, for doing things, I, th- I think, uh, or for, for banning uh, things, I think morality actually is often driven by by a rationality. So, um, y- you know, the, when people say something is bad, like the prohibitionist or the temperance movement was driven by the problems caused by alcoholism. I mean, my great-grandfather... Uh, Fell off a roof, a roof, uh, but based on having been, uh, he was l- locked in his uh, in his bedroom to because he was an alcoholic and going on on binge drinking, uh, sort of uh, um, well binges. Uh, and in order to try and get himself out, he climbed onto the roof and and fell it off. It seems like being uh, locked in a room to cure you of alcoholism was the real problem there. Well, <laughs> like you know, this is a really good metaphor. It really is really but- good metaphor for you know whether or not. It, you know, when you're trying to stop someone doing something, I, the fact that you're, you might be inducing greater harm, how morally relevant is that? But the point is, in, in deterrence terms, um, you know, it wasn't a great advert for alcoholism falling off a falling off a roof. Yeah, but presumably he was sober at the time. Uh, I'm not entirely sure of the of the family history of the whole event, but the point the point was. Right, so uh, before you go on, I think yeah. the point was though, locking him up is fine. They just didn't do a good enough job of it. But anyway, well, yeah. indeed, and that would be the argument for a lot of prohibitionists would be to say, look, you know, yes, we have all these harms, but that's because we're not enforcing it strongly enough. That yeah. would be the. Um, hey. But but the point the point is that uh, you know that effectively the the morality behind the temperance movement. So his his wife and subsequently family family members children and so on were very uh sort of um abstemious in their religious viewpoint so it's not that people think alcoholism is uh is somehow intrinsically morally bad it's the it's the consequences are are harmful of the use of a particular substance or whatever the resource mm. the resource is. Um, but but I mean the point is that sometimes the disapproval is way out of line with the harm. And there's another the, another question really, which is why I and I think this is and I, I raise this as a puzzle really. Um, why it is that we disapprove of drug types type type harm, but there are certain kinds of harmful activities that we don't disapprove of. Totally frivolous things. So things like mountain climbing, for example. Going up Everest is about one of the most dangerous things you can do. Um, but no one's talking about prohibiting it. Hmm. Uh, you know, no one's saying, well, you sh- it's morally wrong to climb up mountains because you might die and your family will be and, destroyed. And quite, quite the opposite. We sort of celebrate people yeah, like that as right. heroes. And but... I think there's a sense, I honestly think there's a sense that people think drugs are cheating. You're having fun, but you're simply not putting in the effort. And, I, and I, I've always sort of thought that was a bit odd. It seems to me, actually, drugs are almost a way you can have your cake and eat it. 
uh, cake was in fact once used <laughs> as a, cake, as a like, phantom, uh, a phantom brass eye drug. Yeah. It? yeah, but yeah, I mean, because there is evidence. I mean, look, just every single society on earth um, uses drugs. It, there hasn't, there is no culture that does not use drugs. We're fighting against something which is you know absolutely ingrained in human nature and indeed there are some fairly plausible theories that um that drugs uh, you know psychotropic uh, plants have co-evolved with humans because they provide us with sort of neurotransmitters and things that are uh, expensive for our bodies to produce so it's very much like you know the way that certain um other sort of nutritional plants have evolved uh, it's just that instead of giving us you know proteins and carbohydrates to give us neurotransmitters which is an interesting idea but the point is you know are drugs if if we don't think drugs are fun or the kind of fun you get from drugs is allowed if you think you're not allowed to have that kind of fun it's very straightforward drugs are bad should be banned i think it only it, the reason it's an interesting discussion is because drugs are obviously fun and they're you know I, in some circumstances very helpful to people the the psycho, psychotropic effects that they have so so let's relief. let's stick with those things so i mean a really good hard so a hard case an easy case actually for prohibitionists would be something like heroin there's a lot of heroin related deaths um you know it's it's and it leads to lots of social harms it's you know the harm is very big there something like cannabis is really it's very hard to make a case that on harm grounds that that should be prohibited so cannabis would be a good battleground you know for um the arguments because it's very it's almost no one really i think only one person has ever recorded that being dying of, of cannabis poisoning that's to say nothing of course of things like you know if people have crashed their car under the influence or perhaps that i think there is some evidence of long-term psychiatric damage and stuff but but i mean let's assume that it's relatively harmless and fun what is the big deal there mm. Well, hold on. Before we sort of answer that question, I think there is a difference between taking drugs and uh, climbing Everest, which is that climbing Everest in itself is not necessarily bad for you. Lots of times it does result in something bad, someone falling off and yeah, freezing Yeah, but that's to true death. of taking a lot of drugs. Well, no, but... There's nothing bad for you about taking cannabis in Well, there is. There, no, is. there is. There is. So, what for is example... It depends on how you take it, but let's say if you, in the majority of cases, people smoke it, okay? Yeah, I know, but that, look, okay, you don't have to. Let's say that you could take, you could just take, ingest it orally or something. Yeah. So, so let's make this as hard as possible, because that's the more interesting case. You know, let's assume, let's assume that cannabis is, the fun of cannabis outweighs the harm, yeah. so, right? So, so, so assume that, assume that we were to be, put lots of scientific investment in, uh, in uh, in in casual drug use and make it as safe as possible. So you've got a form of cannabis which mm. has none of the negative effects often associated with smoking. is in a controlled dosage format, so you know exactly how much you're taking. Uh, there's lots of public health guidance about how much you should take, mm. uh, and uh, you can um, uh, yeah you you're just, and, but, uh, well what's and sorry I, to I, cut I, across so, you but, all, what but sounds, also in what sense is climbing Everest not intrinsically harmful? It's the whole point. It doesn't is it's harm dangerous. you every time, which with some drugs you can well, that, say no, that. I mean, but I think okay. l l l l if we just cut through this for a moment, as you were describing that there, Peter, immediately I just thought, God, that just doesn't sound any fun at all. Okay, <laughs> and so immediately just go, well, I'm not interested. Yeah, all the glamour of it being illegal would be removed. Same thing with beer or with alcohol so you have you have all you have lots of uh you have high availability you can go anywhere and buy it but you, what you're getting you're you're, you're assured that it's of a high quality standard there's no pollutants in there which are going to be negatively affect your health other than the alcohol itself 
uh, but there's lots of public guidance out there to help you uh, to not to, 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 to not take too much. And if you are taking too much, there's special services around to help you get get uh, better. So to ask uh, the question we posed at the beginning and, and before I interrupt in what Nick said there as well. So what is the big deal? What is why? Well, well, I th- I think the sort of the more interesting question is that if you if you do have something that you can agree so if you've got a perfectly safe drug that creates pleasure and there's no downside to it well that's an easy question yes there's there's no there's no case to be made for prohibiting the use of that substance well no i mean there there clearly is in the mind of prohibitionists because that is more or less the case with cannabis um you know that is more or less about as as about yes, as close but, to what you just said as as but, it's possible to but get i i suppose for me the question is does so let's assume that those prohibitionists who are arguing the case that something that is harmless and only has upside or at least the upside significantly outweighs the downside are wrong uh, which we probably agree on the question is for things which which are harmful or which there is debate around or which we would we would seek to limit the use of does pro does prohibition work well i think uh, and i think this is you can probably introduce a fairly straightforward model which at least bounds what what variables are in play here so i think in general and it does as i as i said totally depend on the drug but in general right generic sort of drug um it, prohibiting it will uh lower the number of users that's fairly uh, uncontroversial but it will increase the average harm per user for all sorts of reasons, because you're more likely to end up taking poisons, you're more likely to get diseases, you can have less support if something goes wrong, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, basically we're talking about making this trade-off between fewer users and more harm per user, you know, mm. effectively concentrating harm on the people who are, you know, the most enthusiastic about taking the drug and will do it even if it's prohibitive. And I think, you know, there's 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 legislative um, prohibition, but there's also resource prohibition. So take a country like Iran, which borders Afghanistan, you know, the the, the world's creator of, of opiates. Um, Iran has the largest per capita usage for for opiates uh, of any, any country in the world. Um, but it actually has very prohibitive um, sort of rules about the trafficking and usage of of those substances so legislatively there is uh you know there there is prohibition but in practical terms there isn't prohibition then you've also got the issue of uh the indirect effects of prohibition so in iran again there is a moral framework religious framework around the um banning of alcohol so you know there is an argument that not being able to use alcohol will drive people towards using opiates so you you know you have you have a um a morally enforced prohibition of of alcohol within the country uh that may actually lead to increase in usage of something definitely more more harmful so i think iran's a really interesting test case for 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 all kinds of all kinds of reasons of you know how prohibition is not just a case of creating a law about something Mm. yeah and i think you know absolutely and it's totally possible to think of other kinds of interventions which don't involve making something illegal there's all kinds of things which we might disapprove of 
which we wouldn't contemplate, uh, you know, making making illegal. Um, you know, there's all kinds of, if you take things like the influence that parents have on their children, for example, a lot of those, the kinds of choices parents make could be much more harmful, but we're not, we wouldn't contemplate making, making it illegal to behave in certain ways as parents. I mean, sometimes we do like, you know, with the uh, corporal punishment, which I think is illegal now, but, but I mean, you know, it's, it, there's all kinds of choices that people make, lifestyle choices that people make that are stupid, you know, getting into a lot of debt, for example, um, is or you know gambling or you know there's a lot of things that people do that are bad for them but we don't think about law as a resort we think about mm. advice and support and citizens advice. i don't I, I suppose i'm saying let's not even if you thought people shouldn't do it um it, it, there are other things other than banning it and i and and, and banning it does seem like a very uh it does seem to increase harm, obviously, primarily because um, you it will necessarily be in the hands of criminals. Um, but it, but it's but the thing is that I mean I, I don't know whether we can widen a bit or step above this discussion and just I don't think we've really got into why it is that it's such an emotive debate. That's what I, I don't understand. I, sorry to interrupt. It's um, so we are close to wrapping up here. Okay, and to answer that, one of my one of my suggestions might be is the immediacy. And the sort of strong cause and effect you can see with drugs um, quite quickly. And it's quite obvious, for example, even with something like cannabis, for example, the effect of that has on someone's behavior. That said, with alcohol, I mean, you could say the same. And yet that tends not to be prohibited these days. Um, but yeah, just get, get, given that we're getting close to the end here, let's try and kind of reach a conclusion. Yeah. So the reason I, th- I think it's, it's uh, morally potent uh, is is to do with sort of cultural memory and or observation of so I think everybody has this fear of us becoming like the the lotus eaters on on Meninx, you know and the the or, or indeed like uh you know Chinese society after the opium wars and the the sort of enforced sale of opium into into the Chinese market and that you would have uh, you know complete degeneracy within society and listlessness and and you know uh, that that drugs particularly opiates are are viewed as having this um very very corrosive effect on a at a societal level and i think i think that's what drives the the morality behind it is this terror at uh, us um devolving into that kind of uh situation peter but I, but so he I mean, was just taking a drag of his uh, spliff there. Yeah, so, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, is, is, so, but it, it is is that a, is that an irrational fear? Is that a, is that? Do we think that? I mean, I think that's quite irrational. That's sort of somewhat irrational, because if we were able, because if 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 uh, if we didn't have alcohol, if alcohol was invented today, um, we might treat it like a new class A drug and not and completely ban it. But we have. It's been around so long, and it's uh, it's sort of it's part of a lot of culture is to to drink, to share a drink, and to drink with with a meal, and we've we've by and large people do suffer from alcoholism, and uh, my family's been affected by that, but the, the, by and large people uh, develop personally through the support of their family and culture, they have a, 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 a means of using it responsibly. So they can have fun when they aren't being expected to do th- important things and make decisions, and then uh, by the morning they're okay, and mm. they can, and they can uh, get on with their and job. They can function. And they can function. Yeah, indeed. I mean, I think, uh, you know, just to pick up from those 
points you know although you know as i said drug use is universal so is prohibition in a sense at least sort of cultural if not legal you know um you look at something like the islamic intolerance of drinking um certainly not observed to the same degree everywhere across the islamic world but you know that wouldn't exist if it weren't the case that there it was perceived to be problematic at some point in the past you know that actually you know you wouldn't bother banning it if it weren't for the fact that it was uh it was harmful in some way um but there's there's also is there not an aspect though that it's banned because it's a bit fun as well. Uh, you, I I I think what we're trying to do well, is I, because there's other things yeah. that are fun. No, because because Muslims are allowed to have fun. I think uh, you know there's other forms of fun which aren't banned. I don't think it's a disapproval of fun uh, per se. I think it is, does ultimately come out of this fear of harm. Um, but I feel like the fear of harm has become tra- it's not the ha- but the, the the disapproval of the harm has become transferred to the drug rather than the harm. Um, Sorry, just to, I just do have one one more thing to mention, which is that I think it's often assumed that that law follows morality, so that we you know we sort of society changes and becomes tolerant of say homosexuality, and then we make it legal, or society decides that women should have the vote, and then it's, it's passed in law. That is very often not the case, right? In fact, for a lot of the big things, it's a hardcore of kind of uh, intellectual extremists, you know, uh, who pass those laws. I mean, most people, including women, did not think women should have the right to vote in 1928. Now that would be unconscionable. And likewise with homosexuality, most people disapproved of it when it was legalised in the 60s. Now uh, it's the absolutely other way around. And I think, you know, I, I suspect my suspicion would be that if we legalized cannabis, roll on 10 years, most people would be amazed it was ever banned. Mm. Um, so so I, I think, you know, it's not just, look, it's immoral, therefore it's illegal. It's actually often, it, well, it's illegal, therefore it's... They'd, they'd have forgotten, though, that they'd opposed it. Yeah, because they'd all be stoned <laughs> off their mind. Right, listen, we've got to finish this off. Just before we do, um, a quick um, um, survey. Wh- which drug could you, do you feel you could not live without? Take a moment to think about this. Uh, yeah, so for me, it's uh, it's exercise and uh, the so yawn arama. Yeah, but it, but it's true. It, it, it's undoubtedly, when I'm injured, which occurs to me quite quite regularly, I I get withdrawal. Symptoms. So he gets serious drug related harm basically from this exercise yeah. drug of which he speaks. Yeah, <laughs> Peter, uh, caffeine. I can't I can't do anything in the morning without a cup of tea or coffee. Yeah, this is genuinely challenging because I love alcohol and nicotine. The combination is absolutely brilliant. Um, I think, although, you know, the, I really, uh, the sort of things I think about in association with alcohol use, which is, you know, sitting in a beer garden, lovely cold glass of craft ale, uh, you know, having a nice relaxing afternoon chatting. That's that's kind of the ideal the ideal setting. That's what I think of. I, you know, I'm emotionally attached to that kind of use of alcohol. However, I think depriving me of nicotine would be worse. I think day, on my daily life, I would be would probably find it actually harder. I can go without, you know, I gave up alcohol in, in February just for, for Peter and I did it just for, for a laugh, really, as a kind of experiment and for health reasons. Um, and it was not problematic at all. Um, but giving up nicotine, I think I'd find that very, very hard. Because okay. you're physiologically I, addicted. Yeah, I know, well, I, yeah, but what's the difference between that and just really enjoying something? I think I, I, but I mean, I have tried to give up smoking. I tried it for years. I, you know, smoke, giving up smoking is easy. I've done it loads of times, as Mark Twain said. And, uh, and, I, and, and uh, I've never managed to succeed. So now I've gone electronic. So okay. hopefully I've reduced my harm at okay. no cost to my nicotine consumption. Okay. I think for me it would have to be crack cocaine. <laughs> I just—it's just incredibly. Morbid. You love that you can't, stuff. You can't get yeah. through a, a podcast session without anything. Absolutely, it, yeah. I don't know how I would do it without. No, for me, it's caffeine. I love tea. 
Um, okay, let's stop there. So, um, gentlemen, thank you as always. I'm Fraser McGrew. I've been here with Nick Hare, Peter Coghill, and Chris Rag of Aleph Insights. Thank you as always for listening to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast. And until next time, bye bye. Thank you.